Hello, friend. Welcome to Mr. Rewatch. This is your Mr. Robot recap podcast brought to you by a stand-up comedian and a depressive hacker. Uh, I'm Aaron, and I'm joined today by the Mr. Rewatch team, but also by a very special guest. So we've got Devlin, we've got producer Dave, and who else is with us? My name is Martin Wallstrom. And uh, of course, you know, he'll be famous to our audience as uh, the actor who has played Tyrell Wellick. Um, so this is our Tyrell episode. And uh, we're so excited to have you here with us today. Actually, all the way from you were saying you've just returned to Sweden. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So let me start off with a question. We were kind of reflecting on your character's story. And I wonder if you could tell our audience how do you think your character has evolved over the first three seasons of the show? Wow. Well, <clears throat> the funny thing is that we we sort of see Tyrell just briefly as like the climbing corporate dude who has been successful in everything he's done um, right about until the moment like episode three in season one. Um things just start to slide um for him and and it's um from there it's just it's been hell for him for almost 3 seasons so yeah we've only seen seen him in um in a very very tight spot um for a long long time now i'm going to ask devlin to ask you the next question yeah the first thing i'd like to say is thank you very much for joining us to record today really glad to have you here the question that I have for you, if you don't mind, is um, I'm curious what it was about the role of Tyrell in Mr. Robot that made you interested in taking part. Well, the first thing I read, I was only sent um, the scene where Tyrell um, rehearses his speech in the mirror. That's also episode three, season one. Um, and it was pretty quick to see that this it was an interesting character. And the way it was written um, and what he was doing. So I was really like, that was a big, big part of, I felt, well, this character is interesting and it's sort of resembled into something that I wanted to do. And I guess where I was at by that point was I mostly played like the nice guy or uh, the boy next door. So since I self-taped um, for this one, I had never met Sam, and the only thing he saw was the self-tape, So, um, which was great, I think, because um, he could then just see, like, okay, this is how he tr portrays the character, not me as a person. So um, that, was, that was the first thing I read, and I was hooked. That's very interesting. I remember that that scene was a... It it did a very good job of establishing Tyrell as a character. When you said you were sending in self-recordings there, did you mean that you just had to slap yourself in the face rehearsing? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's exactly. He, it was, that was the only thing on the page. Just slap yourself in the face. Um, but um, no, it was, it was the scene. And, and I remember I did it like we filmed it from, from behind into a mirror. So you could see like, it was good for me to have that um thing and uh, do uh, the, the mirror uh, at the same time i did the scene i remember um and and also you, you talked about how you introduce characters i think with sam and, and the writers 
I often talk to friends and, and other people about how it's it's a very the, the way you establish. Let's say Elliot, he busts um, a pedophile, and that kind of character you you'll walk with him through anything. And Tyrell, he has his speech and uh, slapping himself in the face, and then um, he goes out under the bridge and pays that homeless guy three hundred bucks uh, to beat him up and. They are, it's it's so nice to have that kind of establishment because after that, it's like everybody sort of knew that Tyrell was crazy. And um, so that made everything so much easier. Uh, so it's like the, the way it's written, it, it's, it also helps so much. Dave, you also have a question. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to really focus on uh, Tyrell as a character, but I'm going to focus on Martin, the actor. Um, what was the worst role you've ever played either in that the role was written very poorly or that you performed it very poorly? Mm, I have one. I'm not going to mention the name. Um, but I'm not, uh, yeah, more or less. I never blame like the writing or it was executed poorly by who knows, directing or photography. I played this, uh, mentally, retarded if that even is a politically correct word um caretaker um in this crime series and i i decided i i thought the character should have some sort of dialect um or accent this it's in, in swedish and i knew from the beginning when the director and he's a great director um, I worked with him after that. When he came up to me, I was like, eh, I hear some sort of accent. You sure you want to use that? And I was like, yes, yes, this is the right thing. Um, and I had this fake mustache. And then I felt like, wow, I'm really like crossing a line here. I'm really putting it out there. And when I see that result afterwards, it's like, you know, when you miss an open goal. It's not even, I don't miss an open goal. I'm missing an open goal on the wrong side of the field. That's <laughs> how far off it is. Um, so yeah, that's one of them. And to be honest, I've had a couple where I don't feel like it wasn't good. Um, it was, I don't think any of those has anything, anything to do with um, script directing it's just sometimes you do a bad job, um, and that's the truth. I mean, that's you. You go up and down, but I say that's my number one, and I totally, you know, it's it's on me. So I think that's interesting. Now, obviously, you've been, I mean, a professional actor for. I mean, how many years have you been acting now? Mm, I did my first film when I was fourteen, so that's twenty. Yeah, it's almost 21 years now. Well, it's quite a while. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, I wanted to ask you, do you have any other projects that are coming up that your fans should be looking for? Yeah, we actually, uh, a film I did called Parallel, which is a sci-fi made by this really cool uh, Mexican director called Isaac Esban. Um, people should check up his other, his latest two movies, uh, The Incident and The Similars, really cool movies. Um, we did a, a sci-fi called Parallel, and it actually premiered uh, last Tuesday uh, on a festival in Brussels. 
So that'll come out this year. And also we had a screening now in LA uh, of a film called Ashes in the Snow, which is this World War II drama um, about the Soviet Union deporting um, Lithuania um, and so many Lithuanians. Uh, so that'll, I know that's, I think it's premiering this fall and where I play this Russian guy and I only speak Russian, which is um, very interesting. Uh, so those two are, are um, something people could check up. And I do know that there's this series I did actually a couple of years ago called the hundred code with Michael Nyquist, who unfortunately passed away and Dominic Monaghan. It's a Swedish American series. I think it's going to be on us TV this spring or something. Um, so the two first I mentioned are two new projects that people can look out for. That's excellent. Well, I think for, you know, certainly being on Mr. Robot, you know, that's, given you a lot of exposure, especially to, I would assume, American fans. And so who will be interested to see all of these other projects that you're working on? Yeah, hopefully. Um, Devlin, over to you. Yeah, I have a question that's actually more related to Mr. Robot as opposed to uh, your acting career. I was just wondering, um, you, you noted earlier that over these three seasons, Tyrell has really been through a lot. And I know that you can't really predict what's going to go on in the future because nobody can with Mr. Robot. But how do you think that Tyrell feels right now? And what do you think he wants to do? Wow. I'm always so careful when I when I talk about those things because as you say, no one well, one person knows what's gonna happen. Um Sam Esmel, and he's very you know, he rarely talks to anyone before he has anything written down or anything like, well, this is the way the season's gonna go, which I think is is good. Um because I don't know anything about it so usually i don't talk about what i want him to uh, like what would tyrell do or what would i want him to do because it's um i don't want to jinx it (laughs) um but you know hopefully i i hope he's in a good place i hope he's um um i hope he's happy and um yeah that he, he can sort of review his life and, and sit down and think about things that he might want to do differently um, or not. Um, just keep on going until the end. Um, but, I, but I do wish him like some love. Someone should give him some love. <laughs> I think we all agree with that. <laughs> Thank you. Well, yeah. After the year that he's had, I mean, yeah. really, yeah. some the universe could let up on this guy a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. um, a question that I have. Uh, oh, sorry. This is uh, this is Dave's turn. I'm jumping ahead of myself. Yeah, that's all right, Aaron. Um, I, was, I was just wondering, Aaron. Aaron and I both do uh, stand up comedy here in Ontario, and I was wondering, do you do you watch a lot of stand up in Sweden? And is there any Swedish comics that uh, we over here in the wet or in the Anglosphere may not uh, know about? I do. Um, I have some um, stand up comedy um, comedian uh, friends. And I'm so impressed by just the fact that you walk up on a stage with the like unspoken promise of you are going to be funny. You guys are going to laugh because if you don't fulfill that, it's a failure. If I do a drama and it's not good, it's just boring. 
so um, I have <laughs> like huge respect and I've actually talked to some of my friends just as an experiment to see if they could write something and I should perform that because I doubt that I would have the ability to be funny in a way that like people would genuinely laugh. Um, so yeah, it's something I'm very interested in. I have this friend, uh, his name is uh, Aaron Flam. He's a very uh, dark uh, comedian um, in, in his sort of humor. It's very, it's very rough. Uh, and that's what I, that's what I, yeah like about it so yeah i have i have great respect for for, for stand-up comedians because it just looks so hard it's funny i'm saying it only and it looks hardest of course when we're doing badly so yeah <laughs> i mean um and and it's interesting because i think one of the differences between you know comedy and and if i think about an acting project is you know, you, you're working with a team in the projects mm. that you do. And so I, I think Mr. Robot seems to have a very strong, cohesive sort of a, a team. Yeah. If that's fair. Absolutely. Um, I wonder if you could talk about a scene that was really fun for you to shoot or a moment on set that you had with that team mm. that was really great. A scene that was really fun. Let me see. Last season, season three, there were so many great things for me to do and and it sort of felt like sam put this big chunk of very very nice meat on the table saying okay this is it's like prime kobe beef whatever you want to call it so how, what do you want to do with it, it was i just think with so many things um a fun scene a really fun scene i mean i i had a lot of scenes with bobby and christian and I enjoy that a lot. Let me just think. Yeah, you know what? I, I'll take one from, I think it was season one. <clears throat> it's a scene where Tyrell and Joanna, we go to check on the baby. Um, and we did that scene. I don't know if, it's, if, if it was cut out, but we're at the, um, the doctor's and... They have, you know, they, they talk to each other about there's some sort of Joanna wants it to happen a certain day. Um, and then Sam asked us to do the scene without any lines. And just to be honest, I have like the worst poker face you can imagine. I start to laugh so easily. And we did this scene, you know, we were supposed to do the same sort of scenery and and everything and and stephanie who plays my wife and and the actors who who play the doctor they were superb you know they just did it but i i just started laughing all the time i couldn't look them in the eyes and it was so disappointing just that sam sort of after two three takes it was like okay let's let's move on um that was a lot of fun um with just failing um <laughs> So that, yeah, that was my, my best card. Nice. And so now we've got just a couple more questions um, for you. Then we're going to do, we're going to do a, a special segment and then we'll be wrapped up. But Devlin, last question from you. So I have a question that kind of relates to something that happens in the third season. And actually it, it might relate to some of the scenes that you were talking about with Bobby earlier. Um, I'm wondering what they call Swedish fish in Sweden. 
Oh yeah, you know what? I heard your episode, um, and I thought about it. It was it's a good question because you're right. We don't call it Swedish fish. We only call it, I guess, fish. Um, That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's one of those things uh, where people, when they come back from the U.S., they're like, they call that Swedish fish. It's so stupid. It's not even like it's a big thing here. It's not like. Oh, that is what everybody gets when they are having uh, their birthday. We get Swedish fish. It's just <laughs> we have a lot of that that kind of candy, but um, and it's just one out of thirty different fish species. No, but thirty different um, types of candy. So yeah, I mean, just congratulations to whomever came up with that name and and made it a big thing. That's so, yeah. so follow up, if Swedish fish is not a popular candy in Sweden, what is a popular candy? What's your favorite Swedish candy? Oh, my favorite. We have something called djungelvrål. And that's like what you would translate to jungle roar. So it's this um, licorice, very, it's like salty licorice. It's got the, um, a screaming monkey on on. Um, uh, on the outside of it, and, and that's what I like the most. I love them. Uh, so, Jungle Roar, yeah, I'd try that. Excellent. I'll keep my eyes peeled. Yeah, Dave. Last question from you, uh, Martin. Are you uh, are you a hockey fan? I am. I'm more of a soccer or football fan, but I, I I do follow hockey, and and I'm I'm very like when I'm in the U.S. It's always fun to because a lot of people there are very interested in in hockey and and to talk about the Swedish hockey players in the, in the NHL or are you a hockey fan? Yeah. I was going to ask you how you felt about uh, Joe Sackick being the MVP of the 2001 Stanley cup playoffs and not Peter Forsberg. Oh, wow. Mm, I couldn't say that I follow, followed that one that much that I can like, um, differentiate, uh, Forsberg and, and Sackick, but, um, wasn't he sort of like, he, he quit a bit, uh, earlier than Peter Forsberg, right? Yeah, just a little bit. When did he ret- retire? Uh, he retired, I think, two years before Forsberg did. Okay, because and Forsberg, he, I think, he had a couple of good years left, but it was something with his with his uh, foot, right? Yep. Yeah. So, well, Forsberg, he is forever like, if you remember the the Olympics nineteen ninety four when we beat. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. You guys are in Canada, right? Yeah. That's a uh-huh. yeah. It's a fun Olympics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that final penalty, I think, it was Corey Hirsch, uh, who was the goalie. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know if you. That's everybody, a if memory. you put, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, it was a big thing. So you, I, you could put that clip up on your Facebook page, and uh, when Forsberg uh, does his famous penalty, and we have to remember that 1994, Peter Forsberg was 20 something. Yeah, he was still uh, he was still a rookie with the Quebec Nordique. Yeah, exactly. So he he did that kind of penalty, and everybody has to look it up. Peter Forsberg, ninety ninety four Olympic final uh, penalty, uh, that kind of um, balls, um, amazing. So yeah, you know what's funny for someone who said you weren't really a fan, I find your knowledge encyclopedic. Yeah, this is way over my head. Well, I, I think it's it's more of like I do have some knowledge about stuff that happened like a long time ago and I sort of 
try to follow the Swedes in, in the NHL, um, but I'm not games that often. Um, but I'm, I'm super proud of all like the Swedes. And I was in Vancouver when we did Parallel. Unfortunately, I never got to see a game, but um, I'd love to see, yeah, the Sedin brothers and um, and uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm I like it. I do. That's great. Well, thank you. Excellent. So, so we just have about two minutes left, if that's all right. Sure. So I, we wanted to do, this is a, this is a lightning round. So in this series, I'm going to give you two things Mm -hmm. and I'm asking you to tell me what your favorite one is. Mm -hmm. So the first one is windows or Linux. Windows or what? (laughs) (laughs) Or Linux. Oh, well, I just blew my my hacking knowledge there. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a Windows guy too. It's all right. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. I actually do iOS, but yeah, Windows. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, giraffes or seagulls? Uh, seagulls. Red or purple? Red. Socialism or capitalism? <sighs> socialism you can pass it's okay and my last one suits or hoodies suits suits yeah me too me too because i sort of yeah because then i i sort of make up for the socialism thing (laughs) makes it more even um so listen we are so so very glad that you joined us on the podcast today thank you very much for your time thanks from all of us at mr rewatch i'm martin wallstrom and bonsoir listeners (laughs) 